power on. What we were presented with today was not Windows 11. That was Windows Vista 2.0. Woo, the golden stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star. Yes, I said man of tomorrow, but are we going to talk about the operating system of tomorrow? Is that what Windows 11 TM, as in that's the official name, <laughs> is that what it's going to be? Is this the future? Well, we'll find out in this review of today's Microsoft event, which absolutely was solely a Windows 11 event, uh, announcement event. And there was actually a developer event that was happening uh, later today. And there might be some details that come out of that that could be of interest. Um, but I think a lot of the, the 30 foot stuff, the big stuff and a lot of the questions that we posed um, in a recent Sovereign Tech supplemental or, well, no, I just called that like a Windows 11 episode. Anyway, in a recent, we'll just say Sovereign Tech. How about that? <laughs> We've gone back to the terms of prime episodes and not. Uh, but in a recent Sovereign Tech, just a few days ago, we discussed what were we expecting from Windows 11 after basically everyone realized, yeah, this thing's coming. And so we're going to get into that here. Uh, the first thing that came out pretty fast was that, yes, this is Windows 11. That's the name um, I already got into in the previous episode. I think it's absolutely worthwhile listening to to understand a lot of what got announced today. All the same, because a lot of this, a lot of what we're going to find with Windows 11 here as we talk about it is that. It's really, it's a backpedal and also the culmination of a lot of different technologies that Microsoft has been developing really since Windows 10 came out uh, and maybe even a little before. And there were, I think, a couple of surprises uh, that were very interesting. We'll get into those and you know what one of them is, and that's the announcement around Android apps. But what's the reality around those being implemented in Windows? Well, in Windows 11, we'll talk about it. But again, they're not calling it Sun Valley. They're not, you know, they're, they're ditching that. And actually, after this wasn't during the presentation. Some information came out after the fact, including the system requirements. And we expected this, right? Was that we weren't going to get a lot of technical details, likely, because that's just not how Panos Panay likes to present things, um, which his presentation as usual was, I mean, just second to none like that. That guy is such a showman. But what I was going to say is that Microsoft, it is official. They are backpedaling on the two major revisions per year. And they're going back to basically doing one service pack a year, even though service packs sometimes didn't come out until every two or three years. Um, so major revisions will be one a year. We have no hint of anyone saying, well, this is the last version of windows not happening. Uh, and good for them for not, you know, <laughs> not speaking with such a, a, a certain language, I guess, or such finality. How about that? Um, the presentation again was really well done overall. Went about, I don't know, 40, 50 minutes ended off with a, uh, a keynote, I guess you could say <laughs> from, uh, Satya Nadella who God, God damn it. <laughs> I hate it because I like the guy, you know, like, and, and whatever he makes sure gets written down, you know, his speech writers or whatever. I mean, it's dynamite stuff. It's not to say that Microsoft delivers on it, nor do I believe that they will. I, I'll never believe Microsoft again um, because of specifically OneDrive gate. When they told everybody you're getting unlimited storage and then they backpedaled and they didn't just backpedal on that. They didn't just say, okay, well, you know, we're going to raise the prices, but you can get like 10 terabytes or something. No, they said, no matter who the fuck you are, you're only getting one terabyte. I mean, they, you know, hard snapback. That was completely unjustified and that, I mean, they, they should never be forgiven for because that, I mean, and the way that they basically accused users of using OneDrive, the way that it was meant to be used, accusing them as criminals or of being criminals, you know, because, oh, you know, they, they abused, I mean, you can't abuse when you're told you have unlimited storage and unlimited sharing. How are you, how do you abuse that? Like that's, that's. 
bullshit. Um, anyway, so I'll never believe them after one, one drive gate that, that <laughs> but the abstract of a lot of what like Satya Nadella was saying was just dynamite stuff. He was talking about oh, people got to have choice. They have to have agency. He even said sovereignty for creators. I, I thought <laughs> I was like, wow, man. Now talk about using some, uh, some, some final language and some big words Woo! Uh, or big or big thoughts, big concepts. Uh, he was laying them out at the end. So, you know, I, I, I loved what I heard from Satya at the end, but again, how is that actually going to be implemented? What does that actually look like? I mean, the idea that somehow windows gives people choice, yeah, right. And and a lot of what he was saying, he's like, oh, Windows needs to be this platform where you can you have choice and you can create everything. And I'm like, what? So Windows is going to become Linux? Because <laughs> that's what Linux offers. <laughs> uh, in fact, actually, there was there was a brief second during this where I thought because Panos Panay, he said that Windows needs to be open. And for a second there, I, I thought, holy shit. He's going to say that, that, uh, it's going to be open sourced. And I, I mean, just for a second, I thought that that was going to happen and I would have, well, you know, if he had said that, I might've said windows 11 is the greatest windows of all time. (laughs) That would have been amazing, but he didn't say that. Um, so anyway, so Panos opens this thing up and he starts talking about how he's talking about home. And I mean, I I don't, you can watch it. You can go back and watch it. In fact, let's get this out in front. Uh, I don't know how many people watch this seamlessly because it kept buffering over and over and over again. And really, no matter where you watched it, whatever the source was, even if it was Microsoft's official site, uh, you kept getting, you know, the little new like loading icon. (laughs) It was pretty like in the middle of the presentation, it was pretty bad. Uh, and a lot of people I know online made the joke about, you know, here's the story of windows 11 and it was just showing that loading icon. (laughs) But anyway, Panos is making this big deal about home, you know, about like, uh, and, and how windows feels like home and how it's familiar and all this. And, you know, he's kind of not wrong. Like (laughs) I think for a lot of people, In some ways, myself included. I mean, I'm somebody that's pretty agnostic when it comes to operating systems. I can handle, you know, anything, and I'm I'm pretty proficient with most, even a lot of different Linux distros I'm pretty good at. Um, But Windows does always feel like, yep, here we go, (laughs) you know. But then the irony is, is that here you are saying we want to make Windows feel like home, what you're used to and what you're comfortable with, but then you're kind of changing the UI. In fact, you're, you're in some cases, you're changing it fairly dramatically. I just, I mean, I get his point and he's not exactly wrong. And it had to do with a lot of the features that are going to be a part of windows 11. Most of which are already available in windows 10, quite frankly, save two, one of which we have some, uh, uh, uh correcting to do, uh, based on what was previously learned from insider builds or from, uh, uh you know, beta builds of, of windows 11. But I mean, I get it. Like I I get what he's saying, you know, and it's definitely a case of, as you'll see, as we keep talking about this, it's, it really is a case where Microsoft, I think you can tell, like there, there's an implication that Microsoft was putting windows on the back burner and now they are doing the exact opposite. Now they're going fully forward. Nope. Windows is our business. Here we go. Um, and, and, you know, and we're going to push this forward and, you know, I really think the reality around that or the reason why they're, they're doing that is because they just know they're not going to win in the mobile space. They're just not going to, um, and they've got to be like minus, you know, Apple and its iPads, they've got to be the only American company that really pushes the tablet form factor. Uh, that really pushes it. There are other companies like Lenovo and others who definitely push the tablet form factor in like China and other countries because, you know, they basically treat it as an inexpensive PC. But as far as, you know, taking the tablet seriously, really Microsoft and Apple are the only two that do that. There's plenty also in today's Windows 11 event and announcement that was clearly shots at Apple. And we'll get into that. 
but overall, so the presentation was fine other than loading problems. I mean, there's not, there's not a whole lot to really complain about. They even said though we got nothing, we got nothing, no details on this whatsoever. Panos actually said windows 11 is the most secure version of windows ever. Those were his words. Now, first off, that's not a hard feat to achieve. <laughs> Patch a couple bugs. Yep. It's more secure than windows 10. <laughs> Second off you've get boy. That's a, that's, it's a statement that like I just explained, doesn't have to be bold and can be still true, but you're saying that in this massive presentation, it needs to be treated as a bold statement and you need to tell me why it's more secure. Like you, you want to say that with however many thousands or hundreds of thousands or however many people are watching this, you've got to tell me fucking why. And they've yet to tell why. So I am going to take that with a grain of salt at this time. And I have no reason to believe that there is any substantial improvement with security with windows 11, other than maybe it's relationships with, um, uh, TPMs, right? Like it might have different relationships with security chips that might make it more secure, but then that's a matter of not just windows 11 being more secure. That's a matter of, okay, what's, you know, like what's the trust module on the hardware on, you know, on the, on the laptop or on the desktop, right? That, so I'm just, I'm not even going to, you know, I commented on it. It's there. I'm not even going to go into it. Here is, if you want to, cause you're 10 minutes in, but what does Brian think of windows 11? Did, did it get him hot and bothered? Is he ready to go? Let me tell you what windows 11 is. And this actually plays off well from a lot of what I said in the windows 11 preview episode from a few days ago. And that is this, here is my review of windows 11. It, we now know the official name. The official name is still wrong. What I think the official name of windows 11 should be is windows Vista 2.0. That's what it should be because that's exactly what it is. What we were presented with today was not windows 11. That was windows Vista 2.0. And frankly, I could end that this whole podcast right there because like the feature sets, everything about this, what is all stuff that I feel like was in windows Vista minus a couple things like the Android app thing that we'll talk about, but it really feels like windows Vista. It looks, it's not just a feel. It looks like fucking windows Vista, the, you know, arrow, right? Remember A-E-R-O remember arrow glass. Yeah. That, that whole part of the UI that's back. Everything's back. Now the difference here. Okay. Is that, or the question I suppose you're asking, is that a good or a bad thing? that this is just Vista 2.0. I'm going to say that it's not as bad a thing, meaning that the problem with windows Vista wasn't exactly the feature set. The problem with windows Vista was that most computers at the time that people already had in their home, or even really that was like available at a good price to buy did not run windows Vista. Well, it did not take advantage of everything that windows windows Vista brought to the table from arrow to the widgets to, you know, all the, all the beauty that, that, that quote unquote beauty that that operating system uh, presented. However, now PCs can handle that. Most of them can. Uh, in fact, if you're wondering, you know, can you run uh, windows, uh, <laughs> I was going to call it Vista 2.0, or I was going to call it Vista. Uh, if, can you run windows 11 on the computer you're using right now? Um, there is a PC checker, an official, you know, install from, from Microsoft. Um, I will link to that in the show notes so that you can go and test it. Um, we will get into the specifics of what are the system requirements. We'll get into that in a second, but really it's all here. Widgets, everything like it, it is, it's just windows Vista all over again. But again, I don't think it's as bad a situation because most of the hardware now can handle this. And not only that, but you're past the point of that, that massive cutoff of drivers for varying hardware that Microsoft pulled when they originally released Vista, right? That's why a lot of people flipped out. Also, it wasn't just because their computer couldn't run it. It's because even when it did run it, their computer could no longer run their printer because windows Vista said, Oh no, no, this isn't a verified driver. Forget it. 
you know, we're, we're, we're kind of past that situation. Okay. So now, you know, most hardware will work just fine uh, with windows 11 and they made it a point to say during the presentation today that, you know, windows operates on the, or operates on with on and with the largest amount of hardware uh, than any other platform in existence. And I think that's probably a fairly true statement. And it's amazing that they're willing to stand by that now because for the past few years, and we know why, because windows was wanting to become, or Microsoft was wanting windows 10 mobile to become the thing, right? Again, go listen back to my preview windows 11 preview episode to, you know, to find out more about that. I gave a whole breakdown, but basically Microsoft was getting into the hardware business and they still are there. But this presentation was, I think, very different than recent presentations from Microsoft because we saw very clearly laptops from HP. I mean, and they were taking center stage, this other hardware. Um, I was surprised by that. I'm like, well, shouldn't this all be Surface devices? No, because, you know, Microsoft, this whole presentation is them talking about how Windows is a platform for you to do whatever the fuck you want. Great message. I mean... It only goes so far, but you know, but, but once again, they're playing nice, nice with hardware partners. So, okay. I mean, and this really speaks to it. So Microsoft knows that they're not going to dominate in mobile. It's not going to happen. So everything about windows 11 is bringing what perhaps they think is the best of mobile and the best of other ideas that they had, you know, like windows 10 X or whatever, bringing that all in and putting it into windows and then being windows being agnostic to whatever hardware that it happens to, to, to run on. So they know they're not going to dominate mobile. So now they're just doubling down on turning whatever runs windows, you know, turning that into uh, their, their breadwinner. And before you think that maybe they didn't have competition in the space. Oh yes, they did. And one of the things that was talked about here was certainly a big part of that. And that is, Android apps, uh, including Android apps in the there's, there's going to be, so I guess we should bring up this feature as well. So there's a redesigned windows store, uh, or Microsoft store for windows 11. It sounded like they were going to put it into windows 10 as well. Um, and this redesigned store is going to allow for not just UWPs, but it's going to allow for, uh, win 32 you know, XEs, .msis, you know, like all, all those, basically any, any software that can run on windows can be petitioned to be into the wind, into the Microsoft store along with Android apps, Android apps though, that are being made available. Not you're not getting the Google play store, which I think should point at something, but through the Amazon store. Now I want to say in the abstract, I think that the idea of the Microsoft store being the home to like all the software that you use on your computer is look, as long as that's optional, I don't think it's a horrible idea. And part of the reason I don't think it's a horrible idea is that frankly, it can be a pain in the ass to update all the software that you might install on a windows computer. You know, a lot of the win 32 software and so having a place where all of that can get updated quickly. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I think this is a good idea because it's one of the main reasons that I still use portableapps.com with my windows machines, not just because I can just, you know, move the hard drive over to whatever computer and boom, there's my, basically all my software that I use with all of my preferences and everything, you know, just on a, on a start menu on the right instead of the left. But because portableapps.com auto updates all of my software. Okay. So I like that a lot. Now, if I don't have the option to install software independently, I'm going to say, screw you to, I would say, screw you to portableapps.com and, uh, you know, the micro, uh, the Microsoft store. Okay. So, you know, as long as you can still install independently, which they're going to have to, because you just have in the enterprise space, especially there's just times where there's custom software, you know, that's just not going to get pushed to the Microsoft store. But overall, I don't think it's a terrible idea. The only part that, that can kind of bother me is 
if because I don't have a, you know, say, say you're not using a Microsoft account when you log into windows, if that bars you from using the Microsoft store, I mean, it's not a huge loss because you can still install all your software independently, but you know, I'm worried. This is still a big worry of mine that I talked about during the preview episode for windows 11 is that a lot of the features that windows 11 is talking about is going to force you to have a Microsoft account. We'll talk about that as, as we keep getting into this. I suppose the big question is, is that if you are getting Android apps through the Amazon app store, do you also have to be logged into Amazon? Because some of those are pay for. And the only way you get pay for apps in the Amazon app store is by having an Amazon account with money attached, right? You know, with the, with a credit card attached. So I'm curious how that's going to shake up. I mean, because then you're basically, you have to have, you know, just to take advantage of everything Windows 11 brings on, you're going to have to log in to two separate accounts. Easy enough to make bullshit accounts. No doubt about that. Okay, that's fine. But I still don't like that you have to. But we're not sure how that's going to work. Now, why the Amazon App Store? Well, first off, this is a, (laughs) is this a big boon for the Amazon App Store? Fuck yes, it is. Of course it is. Um, and it's funny because I can imagine there are a whole lot of companies, uh, you know, app companies that are now, you know, five years later running to go update their apps (laughs) that are in the Amazon app store. I mean, this is, you know, I talked about this because I reviewed, um, the, the Kindle fire eight HDX or eight plus, um, yeah, the, the HD eight plus their names get ridiculous. I reviewed that. I liked it a lot. I said, go ahead, put Afteroid on it. That'd be awesome if we could put Afteroid on, you know, on Windows 11 and install Afteroid apps. Boy, that'd be fucking brilliant. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. But, um, you know, I'd, I had also said that one of the big problems with using Amazon hardware is that a lot of companies have really left their apps behind. Like, yeah, they have apps in there, but they haven't been updated in four or five years. I thought it was interesting that when Panos was talking about Android apps being in the Microsoft store, that he said that he specifically pointed out uh, TikTok, which, yes, it's a very popular app right now. But also, you know, we know the history of Microsoft with, you know, with TikTok and that potentially they were going to buy out their, you know, their U.S. business. But anyway, I mean, the idea of of windows running Android apps is far from new. Uh, in fact, it was back in 2015. We talked about it, covered it on sovereign tech at the time. It was project Astoria, right? I think was the name of it where that, that was the whole idea that they were going to uh, allow Android apps to somewhat, or at least via some bridging, you know, an emulation uh, would run in, in windows. Uh, now that has finally happened. Um, that was a bit of a surprise, not entirely. I know some people were talking about, Hey, we saw this code for Android in this build and you know, this might be coming. That was like in the past month or so. And then it got t- taken down or something. Um, but it, it was a, a bit of a surprise that, wow, here, it's finally here. I think a lot of people probably felt a collective high and then a collective low when they said, well, but it's everything through the Amazon app store. Cause there's a lot of things also missing from the Amazon app store. Uh, that'll probably change for a couple reasons. One is, is that, well, I mean, it only makes sense for app developers to want to get an entirely new uh, install base, right? Even if it's the same users, you know, if your app's not available on the new platform, I mean, there's some people who are going to be left out, right? Uh, people who are into Apple Watch or even Wear OS are fully aware of, of this, that, you know, you might switch apps just because it doesn't play nice with your companion device. Um, and some may want to consider, depending on which way you want to look at it, you know, that the PC is a companion device or that, or vice versa. So you're going to want it there. Um, so I could see a lot of apps suddenly becoming available in the Amazon app store. I mean, Amazon's got to fucking love this Google on the other hand. I mean, I'm not surprised that Google didn't play ball with this, but I just find it hilarious because I said, you know, why is Microsoft doing this? It's because they are threatened by Chromebooks. And Chromebooks, as we've talked about on Sovereign Tech, even throughout 2020 and even before, Chromebooks are becoming the most versatile platform on the planet because they can run Linux. They can run Linux software. They can run, they run Chrome OS. They, 
you know, they're going to be able to run steam. It's, you know, it can run all this different stuff and potentially run windows. And of course you have Android apps on there, right? With the Google play store. So yeah, Microsoft's got to, they got to shoot back at that, right? They, they've got to come up with something to figure that out. You know, how do we keep Chromebooks from encroaching on our business? And I mean, this is, this is a move basically that they had to do. If they want to concentrate on Microsoft or on when, if Microsoft wants to concentrate on windows being their platform, like this is where we do business. You've got to bring in those mobile apps have to, because I mean, you also have, you know, iOS apps getting, uh, you know, ported to the M one architecture on MacBooks, right? So they don't have a choice. Like they just had to do this. And it's probably lucky that for the past five, six years, they've already been working on it. Uh, you know, to, to make it a thing. And and now, you know, it happened. Um, but I, I really think if you're worried about the Amazon app store, you know, being a problem, I think a lot of developers are going to now take a second look at that. Partly also because Microsoft said they're not going to like, they're not going to collect fees on publishing in there. Now, I don't know. And I think I, I'm pretty sure the Amazon app store might not take fees either. Um, I'm curious how that's going to shake out. Uh, but it's going to become inexpensive in comparison to, you know, the 30% quote unquote tax, right? The Apple tax that, that iOS has, or even what Google wants to take through the Google play store. This might shake things up quite a bit. Ironically, the PC could pull one over on the mobile duopoly, you know, of, of Android and iOS, which I think is hilarious, but I could, I could kind of see that happen. So bottom line, it's a good move. It's a move they had to make. Like they, they just didn't have a choice. Um, ironically, I, I could see this somewhat hurting Linux adoption, maybe, but not, not entirely because Linux adoption is going to be like, this is really in, in some way you might think this is top down, but I think this is actually whatever people use in the workplace often becomes what they use at home. Okay. Uh, just like with Apple, like how does, why did, how did Apple become so dominant with, uh, I don't know, whatever yuppies and, and, and people that come out of, uh, you know, quote unquote, and I put this in big quotes, higher learning. It's just because what's available at college and like maybe what their parents bought them because, you know, Apple offers a substantial education discount. It's not because these people somehow think Apple is that much better. Most of them don't even really know how to use a computer. So Linux becoming dominating will be because a lot of, you know, industry and governments have switched over to Linux, you know, after Microsoft stopped supporting windows seven. Um, and so it, it's just, it's going to spread from that ironically, but still the Android app move is something that's probably going to affect at least a little bit, uh, could really affect some of, I mean, it's a gamble, but it could affect some of, you know, iOS, and Android's uh, uh, dominance, I think, especially with the, the no fees. Now, where the no fees also gets interesting, and this is the this is where we need to make a bit of a correction on what we talked about in the pre the Windows 11 preview episode. So they did talk about the widgets for you know for Windows 11. Once again, it's something that Vista already had, <laughs> but Microsoft took it away from us. Anyway, um. And the correction is that it was claimed in the, uh, in the, the, the beta or the preview builds that, that people had seen for windows 11, it was claimed that this was only using, you know, MSN as its backend. These would only be Microsoft, uh, you know, approved or Microsoft built widgets, um, that there wouldn't be like third parties or, you know, developers in general would not be able to take advantage of this. That is not true. Um, I have not heard yet whether or not you need a Microsoft account. Again, that speaks to what do you need to make the Microsoft store work? Uh, and you probably will need a Microsoft account still. And now it makes sense why I was asking for a Microsoft account, because two things can happen within this, uh, this like this widget tile that comes up. Okay. Or this widget window that can come up. And that is, you can, one of them is actually pretty interesting. Probably you're going to be able to buy some, like some of these widgets will be for sale and you'll be able to buy them. Okay. Which I think is fine. Like I, I have no problem with that. I think widgets are apps are 
totally useful on desktop. I think it's a great thing. Okay. Talked about that in the last episode, but so, so that's fine if, you know, some of them cost money. Um, but that's the thing, you know, if you're, if you, if you're going to buy them, it has to be attached to a credit card and, you know, having a Microsoft account, a Microsoft account is generally already attached to some kind of credit card. So, you know, that makes sense to some degree why, you know, it requires you to have a Microsoft account. The other part to this is that there is the ability to tip people within this widget window, which I thought was really interesting, you know, uh, and might be cutting into some of like what brave is doing. I was kind of surprised the other day, um, when I had noticed, uh, some people shared this with me when I noticed that like with Twitter on tweets within brave, there is a little triangle now on the tweet where you can, you can, uh, uh, tip somebody in bat, right? The basic attention token. You can tip somebody in bat with just a, a quick click of this triangle, which is like right nearby the retweet button and everything, um, you know, right in the browser. And, you know, I'm not saying like the idea that somebody can make money off of their tweets. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is interesting about it being done through the widget. And that's obviously going to require a Microsoft account, you know, to, to make that transaction happen. So now it makes some degree of sense why it's requiring that. Again, I still don't like that inclusion um, of the Microsoft account, but I am at the same time glad that ultimately that third-party developers, uh, you know, can develop widgets for this and that can kind of become its own ecosystem because I could really think of some very useful widgets right out of the, you know, right off the bat, uh, you know, that for, for a windows desktop, uh, that would definitely help like with my workflow or with workflows for all kinds of people. So it'll be interesting to see how that takes shape. Um, you know, how that, that ecosystem really ends up taking shape. And, you know, this whole notion that Panos and Satya Nadella were making about windows being, you know, like this platform for creators and everything. Well, now you're kind of living up to it because you're creating multiple aspects of the operating system itself that people can make money off of. I guess let's get into the other, you know, kind of interesting, useful feature that we didn't really know about. And that is, I mean, not that this is new, like the idea of having multiple desktops that you can flip between that's been in Linux for over a decade, uh, for, I mean, for a stupid long time. Um, and it's been toyed with like, what was it? Was it power toys actually? No, no pun intended, but I think it was power toys or whatever for, for windows that, that allowed for this, um, where you could flip between different workspaces. So Windows 11 is going to have multiple desktops now, uh, kind of baked in. And not only that, but like, you're going to be able to fully like theme these different desktops. Like one can be for work. One can be for play. One can be for gaming. We'll talk a little more about gaming, but Microsoft did not shy away from gaming plus windows, um, in this, in this presentation, which I think is amazing because throughout the bulk of Microsoft's history, it ignored gamers. I mean, it really did. In fact, I, I, fuck, I thought it was so funny because I think, I think Panos, it was either Panos or it was, oh no, no, no. It was when they were doing the, they had Sarah Bond, who's like a VP for Xbox. She was talking about it and she said, like gaming has always been foundational to windows. And I'm, and, and she started talking about how she played King's quest two with her dad. And I'm thinking like, I'm pretty sure you played that on DOS, <laughs> but I, I mean, yes, gaming has always been foundational to windows, but it's, but Microsoft has never, you know, acknowledged that and they've never wanted it to be that way. Like th that's, that happened besides Microsoft, not because of Microsoft. Uh, I, I thought that that was, that was a weird statement that really only made sense to people you know, who were born yesterday uh, because it's just not Microsoft. I mean, they actively were, I mean, we're practically actively against gaming on windows. Half the reason I think that they made the Xbox, which originally remember was called the direct Xbox because it was, you know, based off of direct X. I think half the reason that like Bill Gates wanted to do the Xbox was to get gaming away from windows. He just didn't want it to be a part of it anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> and there's still, we know today that there are still plenty of execs, especially the old diehards at, at Microsoft who still hate gaming. They hate it. 
and they don't even want to imagine that Xbox exists, even though, you know, Game Pass and Xbox is, you know, making a killing for them. So ultimately, I mean, I'm glad that they they brought up gaming and they talked about it. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I'm glad that they brought it up and they admitted to it. You know, they finally owned up that, oh, shit. Yeah, people use this for gaming because that's what I said. It was like, don't leave gamers in the lurch. Like if there's anything that's going to sell Windows 11, it's going to be if you pitch it to gamers and do something for gaming. And then they kind of did. But the multiple desktop thing is, I mean, it's interesting. And then they got into, what was it? The snap, um, snap layouts is what they called it. Where not that we talked about how, oh, okay, well, so it's not just horizontal now. Now it'll be vertical too. Actually, what they're doing is, is they're going to make it so that you can choose how you want the apps to snap like multiple apps, not just two apps, but like three, four apps can all go in different directions. Now, when they were displaying this, you know, it's a cool idea, but when, and, and it could be done before too with power toys, but what the cool thing that they did was they had your laptop docked to a bigger, you know, screen. They had an ultra wide, um, during the presentation. And what they were showing was, is that when you have your laptop docked now, when you, un- or when, when you disconnect the external monitor from your laptop, the apps will minimize back to the main screen of the laptop, which is cool. That's good. Okay. And in fact, I like that because one of the, one of the minor annoyances with using a second screen with a laptop right now with windows is that sometimes VLC, say you're running VLC on a secondary screen when you open it and you're back to a single screen, you're like, well, where the fuck's the program? Where'd, where'd the program go? Where'd VLC go? <laughs> and it's, it still thinks it's off on some other screen and it doesn't show up in the main terror. I hate that. Um, anyway, so this should fix that should, if it actually works the way they implemented it, we won't know till the fall. Cause that's when this is getting released, even though beta builds will be available for insiders uh, starting next week. But not only that, when you plug the monitor back in, it will remember where those apps were and will re you know, maximize them or bring them back to four. If you plug the monitor back in, that's pretty cool. I don't know exactly how well that's going to work, you know, depending upon if you plug it into different monitors, right? Not just one, but maybe two or three, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that'll work in the real world, but not a bad idea. That was actually, I was like, yeah, okay. That that's helpful. You know, cause I, I do that all the time where I plug in a laptop to an ultra wide, uh, every once in a while, but I usually don't use both screens, but this is a case where now, yeah, maybe I would do both screens because I'd put like the ancillary stuff, you know, that, that I need in the background would literally have it on the background of the laptop while I'm doing the big stuff on, you know, on, on the ultra wide, on the ultra wide monitor. So that was kind of cool. Uh, so they did have, you know, some things that were clever, right. And, and that were genuine improvements. Now they did also mention that windows 11 is technically faster. They, again, they also said more secure. We'll see about that faster. That depends. It's not faster because it's less resource intensive. As far as I can tell, although they did say that the updates now are 40% lighter than they've been in the past. Um, I'm, and they also said something that it's just going to all update in the background. Ooh, boy. I wonder how that's going to work. I don't like not having control of my updates. Um, I imagine Microsoft wants to, I mean, this might be a response to, Hey, we're fixing updates. And that's probably why they even mentioned it because who's going to really notice, Oh, updates are 40% lighter. Like what consumer, which was, this was definitely, this presentation was definitely pointed at is going to care about that. I I don't think they're even going to understand what that means. It's all that it's going to register as we're making updates better. And if you remember what I said during the preview episode, that's the number one thing that windows 11 has to address is the update issues that have been just horrible in the press. But they also said that boot times would be faster. Um, and that like windows hello would be faster. Okay, whatever. So the other things they got into, and again, and a big part of what they were talking about is this is about, you know, connecting with people. So now Microsoft teams is completely baked into the operating system. Clearly they're running away from Skype. Though this is exactly what they tried to do with Skype with Windows 10 because they auto installed Skype with Windows 10, if you remember. And, you know, they wanted people to like get baked into that. 
And now they're doing it with Microsoft Teams, probably because Microsoft Teams is actually getting substantial adoption as to where Skype never really did after Microsoft bought them. So I get what they're doing here. I'm not to- I'm not really positive on it. I don't feel positive about it because it's another thing that requires a Microsoft account. When part of why I think Microsoft Teams worked was because you could just log into it with a link and you didn't need a Microsoft account at all. But now you're to use it in what they're, you know, putting on you with Windows 11, you're going to need a Microsoft account, I'm sure. And not only that, I I don't need more notifications. I better be able to fucking turn that off. And I, I know that you can turn off notifications with Windows, but I don't want more software baked in. I mean, I'm glad it's not candy crush, you know, even though that might be baked in still, but God damn it. I don't, <laughs> I just don't want it. You know, I mean, even for the reason of just having windows run lighter on Ram, you know, don't give me an entire, you know, proverbial social network, uh, you know, baked into the operating system. I, I just, I, I don't like it. I get why they're doing it. I don't like it. And it's one of those things that kind of speaks against what, Satya Nadella was saying at the end of it about having agency and choice. It's like, well, I fucking, I guess not, you know, (laughs) you're almost forcing this shit on me. You know, maybe, maybe there's a chance that it'll let you uninstall all of it, but it did not appear that way based on what they were saying um, in this presentation, like that it was going to be baked in. The other thing is the Xbox app, which is, you know, an option. It's not anything like teams, you can install that in windows 10 right now and basically do the same thing. Other than there's like some kind of chat app that'll be in windows 11. That's a little more uh, native, but the Xbox app is also going to be integrated into windows 11. Again, this is them concentrating on gamers, which overall is a win, um, but it's not anything new. Like it, you can do the same damn thing with windows 10, but this is certainly going to put it in people's faces because it's default now, right? It's baked into the, to the operating system. I mean, it's not really a good thing. It's not really a bad thing. And Game Pass, I think, can be a great thing for a lot of people, right? Especially like, because they're also talking about how xCloud would work with it and all that, where you could just stream games and you don't even have to have great hardware and any computer can become, you know, a AAA gaming computer, essentially, if you've got enough bandwidth. Um, You know, okay. (laughs) So that, I mean... More, I'm more excited that they were just at least admitting that people game on Windows finally, and that in fact the PC is ultimately the premier gaming platform just ever. So they also talked about how you know they didn't come out with like a new version of DirectX, but they basically said, okay, now you know Windows 11 will do this trick called Auto HDR that'll just make games look better. I don't know in the real world how much better that's going to end up looking. It looked impressive on the stream where everything seemed a lot clearer colors were richer and all that. I mean, it's HDR. Okay. Uh, but that sounds like another resource hog, but whatever. I mean, now as far as resource hogging, they also have the trick of direct storage, which is an API that will try and push more onto the GPU, which is generally a hell of a lot faster, uh, than the CPU. And it's taking it away from the operating system in general. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a general advantage. That's that in itself is something that's already been talked about and worked on. That's not exactly new either, but these things will be, you know, there and available by default. Um, so credit to them trying to sell this to gamers, right? Like I said, that's one of the things they really needed to do. And they took a lot of time in doing so during this presentation. So why don't we go ahead and, and talk about the, the system, the minimum system requirements uh, for Windows 11. Now, again, I linked in the show notes to a PC checker that will see if you're, a, you know, if it's able to run Windows. But let's talk about the requirements quick here. Uh, so you're going to need a one gigahertz, 64 bit dual core processor. So you are required to have a dual core processor. Uh, Windows 10 was already cutting away at a lot of what processors were able to run Windows or modern Windows uh, so, you know, that's not exactly a, a surprise Four gig of Ram. That's a bit of a jump, uh, 64 gig, uh, hard drive. That is also a major jump from what windows 10, uh, required, which, you know, windows 10 was getting, uh, installed on devices with only a 32 gig drive in it. Uh, nine inch display. This, this one's got me kind of scratching my head is along with the next one, which is a 1366 by 768 resolution. So, the screen has to be nine inches and it has to have at least 1366 by 768 uh, resolution, 
which is, you know, 720p. Um, it also said, we'll just add this in, uh, it needs to have uh, DirectX 12 compatible graphics. That's not a big deal because a lot of Intel integrated graphics, you know, can run that easily. Um, and it's compatible with, you know, Eufy, Secure Boot, and TPM 2.0. Okay, none of those are really a surprise. The only thing that's weird here is, and like the 64 gig thing, that's not that big of a deal because... You couldn't even, I mean, the problem with those, with the devices, the computers that only had like a 32 gig drive in them, you couldn't even update Windows 10 half the time because the update would be bigger than the storage that remained on the fucking drive. So, you know, I'm not worried about that. I, I get that. Uh, the nine inch display and, and, and the 720p resolution, the weird part here. So I actually did ran the PC checker for Windows 11 on my micro PC which if you listen to the ultimate series uh, this year, I talked about that as being the ultimate computer. This is a computer that has a six inch screen. It's not a nine inch screen. It's a six inch screen from GPD. I love this thing. This thing is the ultimate computer. And yes, it's even better if you pop Linux on it too. But um, if you wanted to run windows 11 on it, how did it fare? It passed. It actually passed with flying colors. And I'm not surprised because minus the screen, that device, even though it's so damn small, has better specs than Microsoft's own Surface Go, which, you know, the Surface Go from this year. So I don't understand if this nine inch display and 720p resolution or 1366 by 768 specifically, if that's required, um, like the micro PC has neither, but it passed the check. So <laughs> like, like it says, it says it's ready for Windows 11. I, I am baffled by this. Okay. Uh, now, interesting. I mean, GPD also makes another computer. Was it the, the P2 Max? That has a nine inch screen on it. So I guess that that sort of be the minimum. But anyway, uh, I don't know what the reality is around that. Maybe it is just looking for 720p because it does have a very extreme widescreen on the micro PC that maybe kind of tricks Windows into thinking it's big enough. I, you know, or, you know, tricks the, the, the PC checker for windows 11 into thinking it's big enough. I don't know. Uh, ultimately it doesn't really matter because you could just hook up the micro PC to a monitor, which I do all the time. And you know, then you're fine, but we'll see how that operates, you know, in the real world when windows 11 officially comes out, uh, this fall. So, I mean, you could say there's some modest changes with this. I don't think they're that major. And again, most computers would, would match. Um, these requirements, you know, yeah, I mean, windows 10 could still work on 32 bit processors. Um, windows 10 only needed two gig of Ram, right. You know, the, like everything kind of jumped, <laughs> sort of doubled in requirements. Um, but I don't think it's as dramatic a change as say XP to Vista, not even close. But speaking of that, um, Microsoft seems to have made it clear that they are not giving up on windows 10. Um, that they're, you know, and, and windows 11, by the way, I know I don't, I don't think I said this throughout the episode. It's going to be a free upgrade for anybody who has windows 10, but they're not, they made no mention, you know, they're not giving up on, on windows 10. So if there's a lot of hardware out there that for some reason doesn't meet these new requirements, windows 10 is still going to be a completely viable thing for them, which probably speaks to why, as I understand it, the new Microsoft store, it's going to be updated in windows 11 and windows 10 running Android apps is, is a little, again, it requires a specific bridge. So I'm curious, you know, from like, well, I'm just, I'm ultimately curious how that, if that's going to work on that lower end hardware, and if that's going to be available still in the windows 10 store, I, I could see why it would be, but then at the same time, I could see why it wouldn't be. I don't, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see on that. Now I was a little disappointed that I was kind of expecting Panos Panay to do a one more thing. I mean, the Android apps was kind of a good trick in its own, but I was really like expecting that. Oh yeah. And they're going to have the surface Neo, you know, and they're going to release this new hardware. Maybe they really just didn't want to take anything away from the announcement of windows 11. And that makes sense. At the same time, I'm kind of glad that he didn't because you don't want that to become a meme. You don't want to overdo that. I think, Apple overdid that like Steve jobs overdid that, or really only Steve jobs can do that. But like the event, if you remember the the first event that, or kind of the first event that Panos Panay did where he was revealing surface devices and everything, 
I mean, and then they revealed the surface book. Remember, and you, they did the rewatch of the, you know, the, the promo video for, uh, for the surface book. And then when you did the rewatch, like, you're like, wow, why are we watching this again? Okay. It was a good video, but come on. And then the video kept going and suddenly you saw the screen lift off (laughs) from the keyboard. Like that was awesome. (laughs) That was such a, that was such a moment. But you, you don't give people the expectation that that's always going to be that way because then it, you, you get burnt out on it and you're always waiting for it as to where you want to surprise people again in the future. So maybe that's why they didn't do that at all. I, I It would have been interesting. But anyway, oh, man, that was such a great presentation. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> but this one wasn't bad either. Um, when Satya Nadella came on, he he had some interesting things to say. Particularly, he was saying, you know, we're, we're making Windows ready for the next decade and ready to be the platform for. And I think the, the specific term he used was for the next web. And I'm like, well, wait, what's that? <laughs> what do you think that's going to be, Panos? Like that, that might be the first time I've heard a tech giant admit that there's going to be something beyond the Internet. At least that's what it sounded like. See, this is why I tell you. Man, that guy says awesome shit. Like I even I reviewed his book years ago when he released it. And and I was like, "Boy, the book's great." You know, and and the guy has some good ideas. But, you know, I I still oh, <laughs> I can't I can't get bought into Microsoft shit. But I'm wondering like, what the hell did he mean by that? Did he mean like that that somehow 5G is planned to be something more than the internet itself? Is he talking about augmented reality? You know, are things going in that direction? I mean, it, it's funny because I don't think people understood back, and, and I can't, I, I have a hard time believing that that Microsoft knew this was going to, to happen uh, back in the Vista days. Now, it's interesting to point out that this Windows 11, like Panos, and, and I don't think he should have said this, and other, I know other Microsoft execs were saying it on like on social media panels is saying, you know, that like when they talk about the different features, he's like, I've been using them and they've been a major boon to my productivity and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, obviously that at Microsoft, you know, they, they test out these new versions of windows, you know, on, on by themselves for long periods of time. And like they, they use them in real world scenarios, right? I mean, that's not a surprise to anybody. I wouldn't have necessarily said that, but anyway, that points at, and I don't know if it's still at Microsoft, but Microsoft used to have what they called the nine year room And the nine year room was, and I've talked about this before. The nine year room is this room, quote unquote, where Microsoft pretends it's nine years in the future. And what have they made? And you go, you know, and you theoretically go into this room and you know, like, or ideologically you go into the room and, and that's how you think about things. Um, I think I'm bringing this up because I think the reason they've gone back to basically arrow glass in the UI is that they are prepping you for AR to where you are looking through a lens at everything that you're doing. That's why they're going back to that glass. Look, I don't think it's just to take on the beauty standards that Apple sets. I think there's a purpose behind it. And that's probably the purpose is that it's looking into the future of AR and that I'm going to guess that that's what Satya was talking about because hands down, like virtual reality is at its best on PC fact of life. There's no, there's no other experience that matters. And I think Microsoft is wise to still be looking at, you know, VR, AR, or if you want to call it mixed reality, whatever, to be looking at that because that's where Facebook is, is betting on the long term, And so they need to take on all comers. They've got to take on uh, Apple, right? And they're doing that with the, frankly, with Android apps, they got to take on Chromebook, which they're also doing with Android apps. Um, and really more, they're taking on Apple with cutting the fees out. They got, they're not taking on Amazon because they're kind of relying on them, which is weird, but okay. You know, the Amazon Microsoft relationship has been a rocky one, but it's, it's been a roller coaster ride all the same. And it's, but it is a ride, but you got to take on Facebook as well, right? If you're going to take on all the tech giants, you got to take on Facebook too. And if this is the direction that they're going, where they're getting you used to seeing through 
your productivity as in like literally the windows you open up and everything you pop up and like the widgets that pop up, all that is see-through. It's getting you used to perhaps a future where you put on a HoloLens, you have an augmented reality with widgets that just pop up on the right and all this. And suddenly it makes sense why they're bringing some of these concepts back and why suddenly it looks like Vista again. Now, I don't know, maybe, maybe way back, you know, in, in whatever, 2007 and eight and whatever, maybe way back, Microsoft had this in mind in the nine year room that eventually, you know, things are just going to appear on glass or, you know, are going to appear in some kind of augmented reality fashion. We've seen some of their videos of the future, right. That they do that are really they're Admittedly, they're cool. Um, maybe they had that idea back then with Vista and it just wasn't time yet. And so they backpedaled on everything or, you know, they couldn't push the industry forward. You know, maybe they thought they had such dominance in the industry that they could push things forward just by forcing you to buy new hardware. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that they were seeing that far ahead with Windows Vista. But I do think it's what they're seeing with Windows 11. And they were just lucky to basically already have in the kernel the ability to implement all these different things. You know, the glass look, widgets, all of that. I mean, that's already like code that they've hammered on. Now, I'd be remiss, speaking of hardware, selling new hardware, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. And I, I thought this was this is just an, another. I mean, Panos was masterful. You know, the, the guy is so good. But. The other flub I think he made in statement is he said, so go out and buy your new Windows 11 PC or your, your new Windows 11 ready PC. And it's like, man, don't, 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 don't make the sales pitch like that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I talked about this, that a big part of this is to sell new hardware, to sell new PCs. And that's, I mean, that's definitely what's going on, you know, <laughs> like, they, they just told you outright, like at the end of the fucking presentation. You know, Panos just said it. So I guess, I mean, let's wrap this up. Ultimately, you know, am I excited uh, about this? I mean, there's aspects of it that I think from a productivity standpoint that are really, really great ideas. You know, they, I, I mean, really great ideas. I still have a hard time like betting. Well, I don't know that I bet my life on any platform, <laughs> on any operating system, but I have a very hard time trusting Windows with much of anything. So yeah, I mean, this didn't, this didn't convert me in any way. Overall, it feels like a step in, in some ways it feels like a step in the right direction. In other ways, it feels like a step in locking you into uh, Microsoft more, even though at the, in the same time, they're speaking out of the other side of their mouth saying it's all about choice and openness, but this is definitely Microsoft taking on every other company, every other tech giant take, other than Amazon you know, taking on all comers like that, that's abundantly clear that that's what they're doing. Um, and they're making good moves as far as that goes, you know, in, in my assessment. Um, but no, I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't really excite me. Am I going to install it on one of my machines? Yeah, sure. I'll do the update. I'll treat it like a windows update. And, you know, and as long as I don't have to be log logged in, if I do have to be logged in, I mean, I could still do it, but boy, I mean, and, and I'll do it for the show, you know, for sovereign tech to review, but man, that, that, that just be a dick move. But again, overall, there were a lot of right moves here for the consumer, you know? And, and if you do, I mean, it, like, it was kind of ironic when Panos was saying, you know, windows is in the, is like, is woven into the fabric of our lives. And I think some people might think that's a bit hyperbolic, but you know, thinking about it, no, he's not wrong. <laughs> Billions of people use windows. You know, and have, and, and it's not like they just started using Windows like, you know, over the past 10 years. No, billions of people use Windows and they've been using it for decades. And I mean, it's just, it's a true statement. And at the very least, I guess I'm glad that Microsoft is taking it seriously and being stewards of it. Will they open it, open source it one day? I still think that that could happen. But they'll only do that if they have another way to make money, which may be making this a platform and, you know, concentrating more on the Microsoft store. Yeah, they're not taking fees now, but maybe down the road, maybe that's how they'll end up making money. And then they can just open up 
you know, they can open up windows because they're not going to make the money off of windows. They're going to make it off of the Microsoft store or your, what they called the M365 account instead of Microsoft 365. They must've realized that that's a fucking mouthful to say. I said it was stupid to call it that, but office 365 just rolls off the tongue a lot better. But <laughs> anyway, you know, I mean, I still think that's a direction that we're heading and clearly Microsoft, I think is looking at, uh, AR in, in a very big way, um, with this. And also I think it's clear they're killing Skype. Like teams is just going to wipe Skype off the planet, which is fine because Skype doesn't do anything better or different from even the phone number thing has been, you know, really walked back a lot, uh, and is pointless for trying to get like two, uh, two factor authentication done because it won't receive those codes you know, that that's dying and they're replacing that with teams. I mean, and there's no stronger statement than the fact that, I mean, they mentioned Skype and, but they also mentioned, mentioned zoom. Um, yeah, I think baking in teams, like it's, it's clear they're all in on that, you know? So this is a, yeah, this is pointing at the future for Microsoft. Uh, it looks good for them against their tech giants, but overall, yeah, I'm still a Linux guy. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, actually, I'm a BSD guy, but whatever. Uh, don't mean to sound hipster. We'll wrap this one up. There is your review of the Windows 11 event and what we know of Windows 11 thus far. Again, changes could happen between now and the fall. Um, so, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on those on Sovereign Tech, and I will see all of you woo, on the other side.